Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. This is episode 103 of Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Hello, Marjorie Punnett. Good morning, sweetie. And preparing us to fly for working moms, that means going out the door every morning. Oh, every gosh. single morning, <laughs> figuring out what to do with your kids. It's exhausting. It, it is exhausting. I think that has to rank as probably one of the most stressful things I had to deal with as a young mother is how to figure out how to get out the door, how to have a career, how to keep working. And I was inspired this week to talk about this because of a tweet by Zoe Kassan. She's a screenwriter, an actress, and she wrote during the Golden Globe, she tweeted out, I mean this with respect. I wish more people who won awards on TV would thank their nannies, babysitters, and other child care providers. And I just love the Oscars were just on Sunday. We see all these beautiful women winning wonderful awards out at these events. Who's with the kids? Right. And there's no problem leaving your children. But I love the idea of publicly thanking the support system that allows women to do what they think their passion or their career is. For some people, their passion or career is childcare. We should thank them for that because that makes a lot of what we want to do possible. But it doesn't make it less complicated. No, I think you're totally right. And we say women, and unfortunately, this is still the situation that we're in. That yes. The burden for figuring out childcare in most households yep. falls more on the – if you're in a heterosexual relationship with children, it will fall more on the woman in the relationship than the men. And so when you say women, we're not saying that to sort of be like, well, women it's, – it's women's work. It's just the reality of the times that we're still in, that our culture still demands that if women are working outside of the home – that we are still the primary ones managing the childcare situation for our families. But I think we have to look at this too. We have to take an honest look at ourselves as women and say, how many times is that of our doing as for sure. well? For sure. And I think sometimes we are so hard on our mates when they wouldn't do it the way that we want it. So we take control of it. Now, I don't, I, I look back at the, the balancing act that I, did through my kids' little years. And those were my choices. I mean, my husband was working full time. He was on a career trajectory that I was happy with. And I, to be honest, I never thought I would spend any time as a stay-at-home mother. I honestly thought I would have a baby, I would put the baby in daycare, and then I would be right back at work. And and this is such a personal thing for every woman. So just know going forward, there is no judgment in any choice a woman makes, whether to stay home, whether to go back. I hope that debate's done because that was a debate that was raging when I had young children. Yeah. But for me, 
I I think it's I honestly and I've talked about this before. I think it's I think it's because and everybody reacts to things differently. I miscarried my first. So when Gar came, I just wasn't ready to go back. Yeah. I just was so thrilled that it actually happened. And all of my sisters were having complications in their pregnancies. So it just sort of looked like for our gene pool, we were all going to have trouble. So it heightened the idea that, oh, my God, I just, I'm just going to stay home for a little bit. But that lasted for about <laughs> that lasted for about eight months. And then it started the, oh, oh my gosh, what are we <laughs> going to do? And so we did a combination. I have two young children. I did a combination of freelance because I was a television producer, so I freelanced, which gave me most summers off, nannies, and an au pair. That yeah. was the mix and a super supportive husband. Mm-hmm. And that that is the only way we made it work. And for a lot of my career, I was paying as much in childcare as I was making because I was freelance. So I wasn't working. I was only working for one client. That was all I would ever do. I didn't pick up other clients, but it it allowed me to keep pushing my career forward, even though I wasn't, I couldn't have been self-supporting. I mean, I had to have a husband that was working as well, because I was just truly working, one, because I loved what I was doing, but two, because I knew if I clicked out for a long period of time, it was going to be very hard to get that career back. It is so complicated. And I think when we talk about this, there are so many nuances to the conversation. So I just don't want people like yelling at their phone as they're listening to us and going, you're missing this point because there's no possible way that we'll be able to cover every single point when it comes to working outside of the home, navigating childcare, everything that comes along with a relationship. But I will say, I do think there are two things that really make these decisions more difficult for women. And number one, I mean, and I'll just come out and say it. I, the maternity leave policy in this country is oh. horrendous. It's heinous. I will go so far as to say, happily on record, that it is cruel and unusual punishment yeah. for both mothers and babies. It is so bad. And so when I went back to work and I have a job that I love, I wasn't even, Marjorie, at that time when you were having kids, you were still pretty early in your career because you oh, were yeah. in your young 20s. I was 27. You know, I was 33. Yeah. Yeah, when I had a baby and I was already hosting Twin Cities Live, yep. I had been doing it for a while. I had Long really time. established myself in terms of my worth in this market and in my job. And I, and I have a fun job. I mean, I go on TV and I drink wine and I eat appetizers <laughs> and I laugh, you know, and not to say that it's not a lot of work because it certainly is, but, but. it's also... It's as far as a television job goes, I am very well aware that I have about the best job that you can possibly have. I have the best schedule. Yep, especially these days. For sure, 100%. And so then I think about, and then I'm also well compensated. So all of these things that I had stacked to my advantage, right? Mm -hmm. So I make a solid living. I have a job that I look forward to going to. And when I had to drop my baby off at full-time daycare when she was 12 weeks old, oh, God. and I went from one day having <sighs> this this child. I mean, I was pregnant with her for, she was 15 days overdue, Marjorie. So it was about 10 and a half months that I was pregnant with her. It, I had the gestational <laughs> period of an elephant. And so that's how long she was in my body. And then I have her, I, I nursed exclusively breastfeeding. So she is physically attached to my body for food for right. those 12 weeks. And then it is one day I am expected to just drop her off with people I barely know for 
40 hours a week, week and I'm supposed to go to work, I sobbed every single day on the yeah. way to and from work. I would call Jay every night on my way home for probably about six weeks yeah. and said, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to do it. I can't do it. And see, here's the thing. You did it and your children are lovely and you have wonderful childcare. Where you were dropping those kids off is wonderful daycare. When I had Gar, I actually tried. I went into a daycare center in Nashville, which was probably fine. We were living in Nashville at the time. It was probably fine. I left sobbing. Yeah. And so I just couldn't do it. That doesn't make the decision right or wrong. What it speaks to is the emotional difficulty that women have doing it. Well, and it's just it's because just, of how we have this system set up. It's, I mean, if you think that it is normal to leave a baby at 12 weeks full time, it's not normal. That's they're not itty normal. Bitty. They're itty yeah. bitty bitty. <laughs> yeah. So, and I just, I, I couldn't do it. I know so many, most of my friends did and they have wonderful children. So we're not even talking about whether or not this is detrimental to the child. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about the systems that are in place and the choices we have to make as mothers. And I think let's not forget this is also hard on the fathers i think it's different but it's difficult for the fathers i was actually talking to my son campbell he did his thesis on declining birth rates and so that touched in all of these avenues about childcare so we were having lots of discussions about childcare policies in other countries and i called him last night cuz i just wanted to double check something with him and he was telling me he thought it was norway but it couldn't be wrong and i i forgot to look it up last night but there's a, a scandinavian country that just passed paternal leave yeah. they already had amazing maternal leave they're already on paternal leave it's <laughs> like, finland how? it's finland it's that just Finland? Did it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's Crazy. Finland and it's really incredible. I mean, it does get to be quite shocking. And you know, my argument and and can get into a whole political argument about it. I just think everybody says, well, companies can't afford it, we can't afford it, we can't afford it. And right. I go, guys, look around your company and think about how many people are on maternity leave. It's maybe one to two. Right. It is people do this one on average, they're going to do it one to two times in their entire life. It is. This is not a cost issue. This is simply a won't issue, and this shows how much we value well, mothers and motherhood, I think, in particular. And I think that's what makes it so difficult is that we're always getting these messages that what we do as mothers, that you should just be able to figure it out and that, that it's, it's not um, really that yeah. important. That it's other than. That yes. it's outside of your, your job. And I, I do think that companies have to take a holistic look at what now we're in the workplace. Okay, this isn't the 1970s. We're in the workplace. We're everywhere. We're at every level. They have to look at this holistically. And I think it, what was interesting to me is when I was at CNN, they had 24-7 daycare. And I will tell you, the friends that I had there that had babies, that had their babies while they were at CNN, guess what? They're still at CNN. They stayed, yeah. They stayed. And their kids are 18, 19, 20 years old. They stayed. because and, and, and the other great thing was one of my good friends was a guy who brought his daughter to daycare every day. Yeah, yeah. So it's just you're offering a family solution. If you want loyalty from your employees, guess what? Take care of their kids and you're going to have loyalty. 
Well, and all the research is showing that. I mean, that's the thing. That's why you see a lot of major companies without the government making any sort of policy. You see companies shifting those policies. I mean, you see Google yeah. and Facebook going to automatic leaves for everybody and fully paid because they don't want to retrain employees. I mean, it definitely right. makes sense. And then you've got, you definitely have the cost factor. And we live in Minnesota. We have some of the highest child care costs in the country. And I'm not saying that that's not well-deserved for childcare workers because right. I, I mean, oh my gosh, they work so hard yeah. and it is so amazing what they do. And listen, I want my childcare workers well-paid and happy yep. and feeling appreciated. But at the same time, you end up with a lot of people and particularly women because women tend to make less money for the same jobs as men, right? Yep who decide, I had a girlfriend who told me at one point with her kids, she was like, I net, I'm making $200 a month Yeah, is what I'm making. That is yeah. what I'm taking home for our family. And I'm running around like a crazy person and I'm sending my kids. And she goes, but at the same time, I just don't think that I can stay home full time. And she goes, so I run around and do all this madness and it's $200 a yeah. month. Oh, what, it's what am I doing? Well, it's like I said, I mean, in some ways, the fact that it was a wash for me in the, in the young baby years between what I was paying. And I, I feel fortunate that I was I had a nanny and she was wonderful. I mean, she was really wonderful. She took care of the kids. She I would come home and they were there. They were happy. She had dinner made. I mean, it was believe me, it, I felt the luxury of that. It was a break even for me, which I was good with. But I also, what I feel so fortunate is because I was freelance, I had both. And so I, I've said this before, just as life was getting, and I think working moms all know this feeling, just as life is getting crazy when you have little kids, just when everything feels just a little bit out of control, that would be usually when I would take five or six weeks off. Yeah. I don't know a working mother out there who wouldn't say, oh my God, give me five weeks off. I can pull 100%. everything back to, I can pull everything yes. back together. And then quite frankly, you're ready to, cause you want to go back to work. Yeah. So it was totally a good situation, right. but that, that was, I knew even then that I was really fortunate. And I know that that's not the life for most women having young children. I found this article, Elizabeth, that I think you'll find really interesting. The headline was, Americans are having fewer babies. They told us why. So there's been a lot of news about the declining birth rates, not only in this country, but around the world. And that obviously has huge consequences for those of us that are aging. But they, they did a poll. The New York Times did a poll of why young adults are having fewer children than their ideal number. So it's not that they're having no children. They're just having fewer than they, as I've said before, I think every woman has a number. Right. My number was two. All women have a number in their head. The number one reason that people said they were having fewer children was that child care is too expensive. It is. Yeah. That you just yeah. can't, you can't even, because there aren't a lot of women who are willing to take that trade off to run around like a crazy person and bring home $200. And I hope your friend is married because yes. guess what? $200 is not going to support a family. No, you're totally right. I mean, and that's the other thing. I mean, we're coming from a, we're coming from a partnered. Yeah home. I mean, this is all what we're talking about in terms of our perspective. And you add in what single moms are going through and it's a totally different perspective. And it's not about, I mean, then it's really $200 and trying to make that work. That's the reality for a right. lot of, for a lot of people. It's, it is so tricky. And I loved the jumping off point of this conversation because I just think that you're right. I mean, 
focusing more on thanking those people and, and being okay with acknowledging, I think that's even the hardest thing for a lot of women don't even want to acknowledge that they have help because it feels like a shameful thing. Which is insane to me that that feels shameful. I was looking, I was looking through Instagram last night after I read the Zoe Kazan piece and there was an Instagram by Chrissy Teigen who you a long time ago had said, follow Chrissy Teigen. She's, She's great on Instagram. Yeah, she is. She did a huge shout out to her. I think she had a, two nannies and her chef. Yeah. And she said, these are the people that make our life, that make our life work. And yeah. I think there's, I mean, that obviously is the highest level of they're making a lot of money. They can afford those things. I think the the harder part is when you're sort of in the middle, if you're not, especially for women, if you're not, for me, I was not making a lot of money as a television producer. And I certainly wasn't making a lot of money, even though I was working for a big client, I wasn't making a lot of money because I wasn't working a lot. I was only probably working at most five or six months out of the year. So I wasn't making a ton of money. If I had been a single mom, I couldn't have done it for sure. But I think for most people, if you look at the average income, what the average American is making, what the average American woman is making, and you factor in, I don't know, what's the average daycare cost in Minnesota? Well, I mean, for an infant, I think our infant rate was like three twenty three a week. Three twenty three a week. And that was that and ours is pretty reasonable. I mean, there's other infant daycare centers. My sister is looking right now that are up five hundred dollars a week. Oh my God. Yes, it's two thousand a month. Two thousand yes. a month. How possibly could somebody making forty five or fifty thousand dollars a year afford even daycare? Oh, there's no licensed way. daycare. You could no. that's crazy. Yeah, there's our, no way. Oh, there's God that breaks my heart. I know oh. it's very expensive, and it feels it feels really stressful, and it also just feels like there's a lot of negotiating that has to go on. You know, we're I think the one thing that we always realize too is that nothing is permanent, right? We're not in this right. situation forever. It's always sort of shifting. Right. So now we're looking at kindergartens for Bernie right. and where she's going to go in the fall, and then kind of how we navigate that with Franklin and. What happens and and then do we keep them in after school care? And I had a friend at work who said, why don't you look at an after school nanny who could come and pick up your kids and then come home? So you take out pickup, right. all those kinds of things. Right. There are all these creative solutions that you sort of have to figure out. And then you have to weigh how much is it worth to you to not have to like race and go and do pickup or right. go and do drop off, right. all those things. And it feels really overwhelming. We're, we've been sort of is. in the same, we just is. kind of have them in the same daycare and we know yeah. the people and we know how it yeah. goes every day. And we, we love it. I mean, there are some pros and cons to it, but overall it's been a really positive experience. But as we move forward and we start to go, oh my gosh, now what do we do? What do we do now? And then when Bernie goes to kindergarten, well, then we don't have summer daycare for her. So do well, we have Franklin in daycare and then we hire someone for Bernadette? I mean, what do we do? And it just, well, it weighs it, on me a lot. Well, and guess what? No doubt, as I started this podcast, this was one of the most stressful negotiations throughout their young lives that I think I had to go through and all women have to go through and all men. I keep leaving them out. Yeah, but we're women and we're having the conversation about us. Families have to go through. That's true. We are. It's all about us. But I think it is is so tricky. And and in, in trying to, part of my... Part of the negotiation that I was trying to figure out is when I left Chicago, we moved from Chicago to Atlanta, but I kept working in Chicago. So suddenly I've got young children, not, I think they were in fourth grade and second grade, 
But we still need care. We still need care when I'm gone a week at a time. I was traveling. Yeah. And so it was just nuts. And that's when we actually tried an au pair because the kids were older. I felt more comfortable with strangers once they could talk. You know, and I felt like they could <laughs> I at, feel least that way too. at least they could tell us what was going on at home. And I also had the blessing that most women don't have of a husband who did most of his work at home. Yeah. And so he was around. He was on the radio at the time, so he would show prep at home and then just go in during his radio shift. So he was around a lot. But but trying to figure out how to keep making those those different periods of their lives happen is so difficult. I mean, I have so many friends that were working. I feel like I'm being very shrill right now because it's bringing back all that anxiety. <laughs> but I mean, it just it 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 doesn't get and I hate to say this because I hate to be – well, it doesn't get any easier. As they go through middle school, it doesn't get any easier because then yeah. what's the solution? Your kids come home from school by themselves and then they're just at home for four hours. Do you get home from work? I know. That's when drugs and sex happen, Marjorie. I can exactly. Tell you. <laughs> I, I know. That's my biggest Elizabeth. fear. We talk about that a lot because my mom, I remember when I was a kid, my parents worked full time. They never really did childcare because they always – worked like different shifts. Oh my God. That's so, exhausting. you know, my dad was a minister, so he would have a lot of meetings in the evenings. Right. So he would kind of work and then come and come and get us when we got home from school. And then he would take us to the church if my mom was working in the evening. Right. right. And so, cause my mom was at that time, she was working in interior design, but she was at a store. So she had like a shift. She'd have to work two to 10 or whatever. No flexibility. No, no flexibility, flexibility whatsoever. No, yeah. not at all. And so she would go and then my dad would come and pick us up and we would bring blankets and pillows and we would scrounge for dinner in the church. <laughs> we would like find frozen donuts because I don't remember my dad ever thinking like, oh, I need to get them some dinner. This was my life. And then we would just like play games in his office. We would do art projects and then we'd bring blankets and pillows and we would make little beds in his office and lay down right. until these meetings were done at like 10. And then he would scoop us up and put us in the car with no car seats. And then we would drive home. <laughs> okay. It, just in your dad's defense, there was no law at that time. There were he no laws for this stuff, but it's so <laughs> fascinating to me to think yeah. about. I mean, the idea of taking my children to a work thing and just having them like hunker down until 10 p.m. is so far out of the realm of possibilities for me it is yeah really interesting how that how that shift has happened so but then i remember when my when we were in middle school when i got to middle schools when my mom took a job share so she started doing only you know she had i remember she always had wednesdays off and she would be home more and right. i know that was really deliberate because I know there were just thinking about, you know, as we get into middle school, somebody, needs to I be think there. some parents kind of let off the gas where they feel like, oh, oh gosh, no, now I, they're older. I mean, I hear people that I know that have older kids and they go, oh, I, they just take care of themselves. And I'm going, okay, wow. Yeah. I actually think it's the opposite. Like when they're little, it's when you can kind of have them, they don't, they have other people can sort of be in control of them too. You can sort of right. set up a system you can split it when they get to be that age. That's when I feel like you really have to know what's going on and you have to know their friends and you have to know what they're doing and you have to know how they're feeling about things because that's when they can make mistakes that'll totally destroy their life, not when they're four. Well, it's when they need to know that the net is really strong. 
Yeah. That there's somebody right there that's got their back every minute and that is not so busy that they can't that they're not hearing what's going on with those sort of middle schoolers and 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 teenagers. Uh, to be honest, that's one of the main reasons when I started working at the radio station. It was because it meant that I was doing a show from 5 to 9 in the morning. And it meant that I could pick my kids up from school and I would right. be home from school. Yeah. Um, my husband and I joke, it's kind of funny, we would go pick them up together from school. Oh. And I think how – I look back and I think how lucky were we – that the two of us got to sit in the car. We'd always go and get a cup of coffee. We'd sit in the car. Because you were permanently tired because you had we to be were, up so yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> we were permanently tired. But we would go sit and we would just watch them. You know, after school, the kids would be running around and there was always a game of four square going on. And so we weren't really in any rush. So we would just sit and watch them play four square with their friends and just talk. And I never take that for granted, that not only did I get to spend so much time with my kids in middle school, but that I got to spend so much time with my husband during those years. I mean, those were we were really, really fortunate, but I know that is not the norm. And it's really, really hard to negotiate each of those stages from infanthood to toddlerhood to kindergarten and then to middle school. And I was thinking back to my mom was a working mom. So I was born in 1964. She would take me, she was working at a little newspaper. And I remember dropping me off at daycare once and I can remember throwing a fit. I was a child of tantrums. I can remember throwing a fit. And she would take me to work sometimes. I can remember that because I can sort of remember sitting in the corner. And then in the summers, we started to have like summer, summer girls that would take care of us. Yeah. And that, that's like what I did as a kid. Yeah. And that was good and bad because you'd get a great summer girl and then you get a bad summer girl. <laughs> um, and then by the time we moved to Chicago, so, so my little years were in the suburbs of Chicago. By the time we moved to the city, my parents had, and it's such a complicated story, but basically we had a live-in. And so from the time that I was probably six until I was 13, we had a woman that lived with us. And that was also interesting and i look back and i think that must that that was a great solution for my parents because what it meant was there was the coming and going was easier because there was always an adult around yeah but that is tricky i mean i don't oh, know yeah. marjorie i just think i have a friend who has an au pair and had one for a long time and i remember her saying Sometimes it feels like she's parenting seven year old, a five year old, a two year old, and a nineteen year old. Yeah. I did and, not yeah. I did not And that can get really complicated. Plus, of course, you have to have the luxury of some separate space, I think, for that person. Yeah, you have to have a you have to have a house that can handle that kind of thing. I didn't we only had one au pair and that system did not work for me at all. My sister, my older sister had au pairs the whole time that pretty much her her daughter's whole childhood and loved it. And it's my my sister would be sort of the um, the poster child for the au pair system because they stay in touch with them. They go to you know they go visit them in Europe. They 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 became good family friends. Yeah, which is sort of that's sort of supposed to be part of the whole process of having an au pair as your child gets to understand another culture. And I think when it works, it can work really well. It just didn't work for me. It it's is you know it's so much navigating and it's it's constantly trying to figure it out. And I think and. And there is, back to that tweet, I mean, there is, I think, a reason why we're not calling out the child care and as a thank you is because we feel so much shame still. Yep. There's yep. still a stigma 
in terms of, and I've had this happen. I've had viewers write to me and say, you're not even raising your own kids. Who's raising your kids? And I can 100% guarantee you that my co-host has never received that message. Wow. It is a, so still, I, I think things have changed. I don't think things have changed that much. And I do think culturally the burden is so much more on women than it is on men. And it is just, and I, I find myself, listen, it's not like I'm innocent of this. My sister, my youngest sister is having a baby and I have never asked her husband, what is he going to do about work after the baby is born? Right. right. And I've certainly asked my sister, right? you know, and I, and I think that's just, that shows just the cultural situation that we're in, that it is so much more on women. I don't know many men. I know a lot of people who have had children within the last 10 years, and I don't know really any of the men who have drastically changed their career or their trajectory or their plan because they've had children. And And I I know many, many women who have. Well, here's the interesting thing, and this is, I think this is sort of the, the final piece to the big puzzle, is the question of every marriage is different, every relationship is different. I I am glad that I I am married to somebody who the conversation he was always open to the conversation of how this was going to go. Yeah. And I think looking back, he has some regret of how hard he was working at times and things that he missed. Yeah. Definitely during their young years, I think I had the much better end of the deal because I got a little bit of both. And so I feel really fortunate. But I think for every young couple, I think before you have kids, it would seem to me that that has to be the conversation. One, is it a family priority that somebody stays home? For some families, it's a priority that one of the two of you stays home. Right. And And, and you can make it work. And it can, you know, for for most people, that's a luxury to be able to do that. Absolutely. Or I've read opinion pieces where people say, oh, it's a luxury to only have one parent out in the workforce. And she said, it's not a luxury. We sacrifice. Yeah. And so I think that that's sacrifice. I put that they consume less, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think so. I think every everybody looks at this differently and prioritizes it differently. And everybody's economic situation is different, which is why you can't make any blanket statements about anybody or anything because of the choices we all make. But I do think it's interesting for women. I don't know that our culture has changed enough that it's as easy for a man socially to change his trajectory as it is for a woman. True. Totally true. And I think that's a, I think that's the next phase of this discussion outside of the child care discussion. But because now we are at a point where women can support a family. There was a time when we couldn't have. But we're yeah. at a point where there, I know lots of women who are making enough money that they could support their household. So is or that they're making more money than their husband. Right. So is it, should he step back? Is he comfortable stepping back? Will society let him step back? And again, it's just, these are the complicated decisions. Or does he have a job that isn't as pressure filled as somebody else's so that he can take care of all of the caregiving decisions? Because let's be honest, they take so much brain space, energy, and time to handle the daycare situations. It's the mental load. Yeah, it is. It's a total mental load. But I don't think our society's there yet where it's socially acceptable for a man 100 percent stay at home. I think you, it's a, I think you're totally right. It's it's an uphill battle. If you hear of men doing it, 
it is automatically a little bit of surprise. Yep. And, and don't you think um, judgment? Yeah, I think so. Totally. And there, you know, and it's, we even see this too. I mean, my husband primarily does drop off and pick up of right. the kids. Right. And it's like, we'll get, oh my gosh, he does drop off and pick up. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. He does. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that, that's what we've navigated and negotiated and that works really well. But, but and there because- are always, there are always elements of surprise. Yeah. More so when men are prioritizing the childcare than it is with women. Explain that to me. Just reactions from people. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, if that's just a priority. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I w- think it's getting a little bit better in terms of even just having to leave work on time to go get kids or to be somewhere. I do think universally it's becoming just more acceptable to say, hey, I got to prioritize this with my family. I'm out. That's good. Because that certainly wasn't the way it was 20 years ago. It's definitely that way with my work. I think it's probably that way with Jay. Jay, is that like that with your work? He just popped upstairs, maybe. (laughs) You tell people you've got to go get the kids, right? And you leave work. Oh, he says he doesn't tell people anything. He just goes. (laughs) Yay, Jay. (laughs) I love that. That's like a cameo. I know. Jay, you just made a podcast cameo. Say hello to your fans. That's right. You can hear him. He says, unless the bosses are listening. If his bosses are listening, then he offers full explanations. and it's for everything. He never leaves early. He works until midnight. <laughs> he burns the midnight oil every single You wouldn't believe how hard this man works, Marjorie. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I don't think we've solved anything, but I think we've acknowledged that it's hard. And I think sometimes that's got to be enough. We totally have. And I think the bottom line here is that whatever phase you're in with it, offering support to those, you know, who are in the thick of it, too, yeah, is just the number one thing. So it'd be fun to see on um, maybe our Best to the Nest Facebook page or post on our Instagram what's working for you, what has worked and what hasn't worked for you. And, oh, I love that. Um, and maybe you'll get some creative ideas like that girlfriend of mine who said, hey, why don't you think about this? You know, that had never even crossed my mind. And now I'm sort of going, well, maybe that might be an option for us as we move forward. The more you sort of talk about what's working for your family, you can can get some more creative ideas to make it work better for you. Fabulous. There you go. All right. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Okay. We have one from Hastings 579. After a stressful day, Best to the Nest brings me smiles, peace, and joy. Thank you for a slice of happiness when I walk into the door of my home. I am relaxed. Oh my gosh. Isn't that wonderful? I just, I just, it is. I just love the idea that we're taking her right to her doorstep and she can walk in to her home in a better frame of mind. That's the journey. That's what we're on. Yep. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter, which we're still working on. (laughs) It's coming out. Don't worry. We'll make it happen. (laughs) We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. 
Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.